I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design, with a conversation about art and shelter media with Jacqueline Terrabon, editor-in-chief of Gallery Magazine. You listen to this podcast weekly, and you know how I love conversations about media, specifically design media. This was a really fun conversation for me, and I think you're going to uh, enjoy this chat about design, design media, and how the business is changing in real time like everything else in the world right now. I love design magazines. I do, because I love the tactile experience of magazines. I like touching the pages. I like getting the ink on my fingers. I like crinkling the pages and the surprise that comes from turning every page. I like the experience of all of this, seeing the beautiful, interesting, and provocative. I love reading for the purpose of inspiration and discovery. I still have copies of Old Dwell and Metropolitan Home. I still go through them on occasion, and it still makes me happy. Isn't that ultimately the goal? Gallery was launched in 2016 with purpose and passion. It's a blended story where design intersects with art. Gallery is a collectible-grade publication. I, I mean that in the truest sense. You receive it, and you keep it for the sake of future reference. It's worthy of your shelf space. That's why I was so looking forward to my conversation with Jacqueline. I, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoyed it. Are you subscribing to the podcast? If not, I mean, seriously, what are you waiting for? I, I tell you every week, come on, subscribe already. Seriously, if not, please do. So you get every episode automatically when they're published. You can find Convo by Design everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. And now you can find us on designnetwork.org, a destination dedicated to podcasts, all things design and architecture. Not just Convo by Design, but a bunch of others. So go check it out and, uh, and find some new shows that you like to listen to. Convo by Design is presented by Walker Zanger, a fantastic company and an equally fantastic design partner. While the Walker Zanger brand was built on the promise to inspire designers and architects to do their best work, there's far more to it than that. Yes, that promise is fulfilled every day through a commitment to provide the best ceramic, glass, stone, porcelain, and concrete surfaces and finishes. But at the heart is a family-owned and operated business that provides stunning surfaces for a well-designed home and does it to make designers and architects do their best work for their clients. Walker Zanger started in 1952, and they are absolutely one of the best trade partners a designer can have. Check out their newest collaborative line with designer Pieta Donovan, a collection of cement and ceramic tiles inspired by the patterns and colorways of the 1970s and created with a comfortable modernity. Walker Zanger is on the cutting edge of design, featuring products for every style and architectural feel you can create. And they provide homeowners with the materials that dream kitchens and baths are made of. Check out any of their 14 showrooms across the country or shop online, walkerzanger.com. I am a sucker for an origin story, uh, a good origin story. I, I love, I don't know about you, but I have always loved the process by which people find themselves where they are now. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. So, it- because sometimes it's very linear and sometimes it's a wavy, curvy path. You never know. Yeah, exactly. So give me the give me the origin story. Do you want my origin story or gallery's origin story? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, um, gallery 
is the idea of Lisa Fane Cohen, who is our editorial director. And she's also the founder of Gallery Magazine. And Lisa is a fabulous, wonderful collector and also design enthusiast and, um, you know, a person who has created many of her own homes and filled them with art. And she felt there was really a hole in the marketplace in terms of magazines that were combining those two. You know, there are a lot of wonderful art publications out there, but they really take on a very um, studious approach to the world of art. You know, it's, it's pretty heavy stuff and um, the art world can be quite interesting and fun and scintillating. And she wanted to capture that. And she also wanted to show the art in people's homes and how they truly live with it. And I feel like it came about, you know, a little over five years ago and struck at just the right time when the art market was really bubbling up and people were looking for something different in the interiors world and, you know, the shelter magazine category as well. And, and what about yours? Now, when did you become sort of, how did, how did you weave your way into this? Um, I joined the team, not quite at the beginning, but probably about one year into it. And because I have like COVID timeline in my head that, that might've been 20 years ago. No, but, um, you know, I think it was about four years ago and then about a year after, and as the design editor, which was sort of a continuation of a role that I had played for, I don't know, seven or so years at Architectural Digest, you know, being the, um, design projects editor there. So I fell into that nicely at gallery and just sort of focused more on what the designers that I've worked with for so long at the top of their game were doing with art and art collections and their projects. So I came to gallery under that title. And then after a year was um, elevated to become editor in chief. Very cool. One of my favorite things to do is to, to speak with other journalists to speak with other writers in in our business because i think it's so interesting that consumer the consumer facing side of it the designer facing side of it you know from a shelter publication standpoint what they get from what we do from what you do is really interesting your perspective on how it comes to that and what what they expect of us what they expect of you seems to constantly be changing. You know, you talk about the, the title hitting when the iron was hot, you know, and, and mm -hmm. opportunity um, meeting talent, you know, that's, that's when it happens. I I'm curious in, in your perspective, how have you seen the industry change? Um, and I, and I will, I will preface it with this. I am a huge fan, even in a digital medium, I am a huge fan of ma magazines. I'm tactile. I love, there's, for me, there's that excitement about turning every page for the first time to see what's on the next page and to read about something that I don't know about currently. I love that. And most of the designers that I've spoken to, they feel the same way. And I'm curious your perspective on, on the business and how it's changed. Right. Um, well, I completely, completely agree with you about the tactile quality of things. I'm someone who has the stack of magazines next to my bed. I'm thumbing through them all the time. And I also have an iPad, but they serve two different 
you know, very different purposes for me. You know, the magazine is really about touching and feeling and experiencing those pages and gallery is certainly that in when you see the quality of the photography, the quality of the paper it's printed on, like it's supposed to be that kind of experience. We don't want you to just flip through it and toss it. And one of the greatest compliments I really feel is when someone tells me that they have the new issue and they're about halfway through it. So that means like they're really spending time with it. They're reading it. They're sinking their teeth into each article. And, um, and, and that's what reminds me of how magazines used to be in a way, you know, you didn't just, you know, zip through it and it was done. And we all had um, a little longer attention spans too, before, you know, an Instagram caption is now like the longest thing you want to read. Maybe even a, a blog post seems like, oh, like it might as well be a, you know, a 20 page New Yorker profile at this point. So so all of, all of those things. And we've seen, um, yeah, you know, definitely the media landscape has changed. But I think what's important is knowing there's a place for print and a place for that, you know, it's almost like a vacation. It's like what you would want to take on the beach and you're reading it. It's such an experience. You're being sucked in. You're really being swept away. And that's a very different experience from what you get from gallerymagazine.com. When you go there, it's a little quicker, it's zippier, you can hop from point to point, and then social media. So I think in the media landscape, it's about telling your stories and being true to them, but pairing that right with the right medium. You know, it's really interesting to me to hear you explain that. Years ago, um, when I was working for Playboy, um, I was the general manager and program director. I built the audio platform for, for Playboy. And during the, the, the course of my tenure, while I was there, I had this opportunity because obviously everything that I was doing was in a digital construct, but I had the opportunity to go back and look at the catalogs, you know, and look at all of the back issues. So here I was doing, I was doing interviews for, for Playboy Radio. So everything was digital. Everything was, you know, podcast and online. But I got to go back and read some of these original interviews. Now we're talking about a difference between 2015 versus 1965, where in 65, the Playboy interview was 11,000 words. Right. Yeah. And, you know, Larry Grobel, who was one of the authors, was 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 doing, you know, an Al Pacino piece. And he's he's going around the country and following him around and really getting into the detail and the minutia of it. Right. And then you cut to modern modern times where, you know, they cut him down to 2000 words, 2500 words. And the story changes and the narrative changes. And I bring it up because you know, you and I are, have something in common. I love old magazines, old back issues, <laughs> right? And and I keep as many as I can without it getting too untenable. But that being said, you know, there's something about flipping through the pages of a magazine and the discovery. And I think it's really relevant to our industry because when it comes to design and the narrative, and you know the architecture is the language of design, and the the design is the storytelling behind it. And you've kind of what you weave in the art, which is almost like the the emotion and the personality behind it. It's so special. 
at the same time, how do you, how do you navigate the purpose? You talked about having the iPad next to the magazines, which is awesome. (laughs) How do you, how do you navigate the differences between purpose? Um, I feel like at some point, all of the purposes sort of blend together because we take that art lens and apply it sometimes to food and entertaining and there's straight up art. And then there's also the blurring the lines between artist and artisan, you know, with the world of collectible design that's out there. So we're telling all of those different stories within one issue. And when I'm putting the issue together, talking about a narrative, like, I want the whole issue to flow in kind of a way that takes the reader on a journey. And it's not just like, here's a chunk on art and here's a chunk on design. It's um, it's about weaving all of those stories together and how they intersect and, and flow. And that's a really fun part of putting the issue together. And um, the funny part is that I used to do that, you know, magazines, you cut out the story and you look at the layouts and, you know, we had them on the wall when we were in the office. And since we've been working from home for the last year, that, that um, same process now happens on my husband's closet doors. So I love, I love that you still do that though. I love that. I really do. Cause I need to see it in that way. I need to see the flow. It's not the same like tiny on my screen or like it's something about watching the movement of it, thinking about what's the idea behind the story, but also how wordy is the story? Is this going to be like a big meaty read or is this something that's more bitsy and you can pop around through it? And then um, how did the visuals work in the story? Is it like, a big visual story or is it smaller visuals? And I want to constantly keep all of those things in mind as I'm deciding what flows to the next story. And when I say that, I love that you do that. I I really do because (laughs) it's special. And, you know, it's the same way that I, I, I equate what you do the same way as when a designer, the best designers, they go in, they ideate the work. They, they talk to their clients. They think it through. They find the personality. They identify the story. They create the narrative. They write the story in the space. And then the best ones go through and edit and realize that, you know what, that doesn't belong that, there. It belongs here. Or maybe it doesn't belong at all. I don't know what I was thinking. But it's the same way for, for, a, for a strong editor. And, and I think, you tell me, but I feel like, that is that is an art form that that is I don't want to call it lost because obviously it's not lost, but it doesn't seem to be as prevalent as it was in the past. And I and I blame social media um, and and digital because everything is so so ephemeral and dis- disposable and temporary. Um, but it's special, and I I think that it needs it needs to continue. And I is that the purpose behind gallery? And is that is that how is that kind of like the 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 core principle behind the brand? And I think the core principle is that we want to create the highest level of experience for our readers every time they pick up the issue. You know from the paper stock to how the stories flow, the um, 
the photography. Like we want to give you those full, rich images that bleed across a spread instead of, you know, sometimes it's like print is almost reflecting the social media world. And it's like, we're just going to throw a bunch of pictures on a page. And and that doesn't serve the story always. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's hard and um, not all the photos are going to make it into the print version of a story, but you can see them on digital, but you kind of have to choose to let the best one shine. So those are all things that, you know, learning as an editor that you, that you pick up on, that you work with great creative directors and, and you make those decisions and they're tough sometimes. And, you know, I've, I've had the privilege to work with some fantastic editors in, um, you know, in the course of my career, working for Margaret Russell for so many years at Architectural Digest. I mean, she she knows this and she, um, you know, anyone who's worked for her has, has received excellent training. And then also, you know, I worked at Gourmet Magazine for a while under Ruth Reichel. And she was just such um, a fantastic editor too. And, and learning from her and how she told stories and added romance to things and brought beauty to food, but also politics to food. So, you know, really working for both of them was such an incredible experience. And I, and I learned so much and some of it I wrote down and some of it, you know, you just seeps into you. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about finding creativity because I view that as, as one of the really big challenges, you know, you, you have X amount of pages to work with. You mm-hmm. have X amount of resources to work with. There are only so many hours in the day and so many, so many writers that you can work with and so many projects you can have. I have found it really interesting that many creatives across, we have, we have flyover states, right? We have design and artistic. We have creative flyover states, like anything between the West Coast and the East Coast, with the exception of a of a few a few creative cities dappled in and out. You know, you'll see something from Memphis or Nashville or Austin, right? How do you how do you locate? How do you identify? How do you find creative talent to tell their stories? Um, you know, I, I feel like it comes from talking to people a lot. And that's what I miss about our old lives where, you know, we went to three parties a night and had a dinner and who knows, you know, that was always my favorite thing to see is like, who am I going to be seated next to at a dinner? And it's, um, and it's about talking to people and finding out and um, you never know where things are going to bubble up. You know, our, our most recent issue is creative minds is the theme of it. And we, it's the third time we've done this, but it's sort of our list of creative talents around the world that we think are really changing things, mixing things up, breaking down boundaries in all manners of art form, whether it's artists or designers or jewelry designers, fashion, flowers, like all of these things. But um, one of them is Christopher Prince and he works out of Omaha, Nebraska, and he's creating fabulous furniture and it's metallic and it's electric and, you know, discovered him by going down to Patrick Parrish one day recently and seeing that and like, we have to write about him. So you know, so it's moments like that. It's about connecting with people because 
you know, that talent in, um, in one of those cities isn't going to be the press release that comes, pops into your inbox, you know? So here's the question that I've been really toying with for quite a while. And I'm curious, do you think one of, I mean, we can talk about all of the things that the pandemic has changed as it relates specifically to our industry and those who, those who take advantage of the talents of the designers and artists and architects that, that we speak with and about. But I'm curious how you think the business is going to change in that regard. Does it mean that more designers in the core cities, LA, San Francisco, Miami, Atlanta, New York City, Boston, that they're gonna start doing more remote design. So you'll start seeing more interesting projects in cities that we've never really talked about in the context of design. Do you think that this will create more opportunities because remote and virtual has become so prevalent that it will create more opportunities for exposure to those creatives who maybe didn't get the kind of attention that they might otherwise deserve because they're in Big Sky, Montana or Minot or, you know, some, some, I almost called it a podunk town, but some small <laughs> town, some small town in, in, you know, in Nebraska. Yeah, no, I mean, I think th that would be the dream, you know, and I think that designers get so excited when they get to, you know, a New York designer, when they get to go outside of New York and sort of pick up on the energy of a different city and bring um, their work there. And certainly as an editor, you're excited when you see stories about fabulous houses and unexpected places. And in the art world, you learn, I mean, there are really interesting collectors that live in all kinds of cities. You know, you don't have to live in New York or Miami or LA to be an art collector. You know, there are great collectors everywhere. And by the way, you know, I, I am I am keeping my focus exclusively to the U.S. Mm -hmm. And it's it's not to be myopic. It's because I I can't have a vision that broad right now. You know, at yeah, some point, broad. would love to get back to Maison, would love to get back to Salone, would love to, to start going places again. And, and we know that that's going to happen. Right. Um, just not right now. Yeah. But but I'm curious back to the brand. You look, print is a really competitive environment, more so now, I would argue, than, than ever before, because everything has consolidated. You know, I've mentioned this before, but um, my background being in broadcast, seeing what happened in radio in, in the 90s, uh, basically this, a similar thing happened to the magazine world, you know, every, yes. everything condensed, everything contracted. And then you had just a few people who were the big players, but now, you know, there's an opportunity. And I think, I think you recognized that opportunity and, and that is what, what gallery is, you know, this, this uniqueness and this sense of authenticity. And that seems to be something that you, that you're constantly striving for. And it, it my, I'm curious. Well, the first part of the question was, how do you continue to do that? But then it sort of begs, it sort of leads into the next part of that, which is from the business standpoint and this Hudson one and this, this new sort of new sort of avenue, 
how, how does that provide you with new resources, new tools, new opportunities? Um, it definitely does. Like, first of all, the magazine, the print side of things, like it is an absolute privilege to put together a magazine. It's really fun. And that's what I want to come across it in the pages as well. Like it's a privilege, it's fun, it's a joyous thing. And you have to hold everything that you're doing to the highest standards because someone's paying for this, they're bringing it home. You want them to love it. You want them to subscribe. So it needs to be like the best possible thing. And you need to apply that rigor to everything. Um, on the other side of it, the business partnership and the forming of Hudson One is very exciting for us because you know we're expanding and doing different things with the brand, bringing our voice to um, different arenas and um you know, one of the really exciting things we're doing is putting together a show house, but it isn't just a show house. It's a house of art and design. You know, this is really gallery putting its lens on a house. And that's going to happen this summer in Sag Harbor and open up on August 6th. And we've tapped into some great designers who we love and adore who understand art and understand design and how to bring it together really beautifully. We're partnering them with galleries who are loaning art. So they're going to collaborate and talk about what works for their room. So enliven the rooms with this fantastic art. And then we also have some um, site specific art installations that artists are doing just for the house. So like you, you know, it's going to be surprise and wonder and excitement um, behind every door. So you know, that's something that has come out of the formation of Hudson One and how great, like it's really going to be the pages of the magazine brought to life. And I was just talking to um, one of the designers yesterday who's doing a space, Leroy Street Studio, amazing architecture firm and have an interiors practice. And they were showing me the art that they picked from a gallery and it happens to be like one of our creative minds. And I didn't, I didn't tell them like, here's who you have to choose. Like they came back to me with a Robert Polidori photograph and he's one of our creative minds. So I love the, the synergy, the magic that happens like something like that. So like forming Hudson one has meant this incredible project, which is the pages come to life. And I mean, there's nothing bigger than that. It's it's interesting how creating opportunity sort of comes comes about through situations like this. I'm curious though. I love design houses, love 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 design houses, and I'm curious your take on the the curating of a space. It's so fascinating, isn't it? Because there's so much to consider with the design house because you've got you, you've got these different personalities all of these different products all of these different ideas all of these different uses for product and different things that you can do and i mean i look we've both seen projects in the past where you go and you go oh my goodness how did those two things happen in the same space and somehow it still works because it's the element of surprise. It's an, it's an installation, 
more than just a, you know what I mean? It's an installation. I mean, it's art. It's like an art installation in itself, which is, which is fantastic. And yeah, there's so many personalities and different design styles. And I think that's what makes them so exciting to walk through is that, yeah, you never know what you're going to expect. And it's really interesting. Even when we give um, like here, here are some wonderful sponsors and you can choose from all these products, even how someone can take the same product and interpret it in such a different way. And that's, I mean, that's creativity. That's so fascinating and amazing. And to see these designers, you know, really work and put together a project is, I mean, I I just think it's one of the most thrilling things, like more so than, I mean, yes, a beautiful room when it's all done, but working with them through the curation of this house and seeing how they put together and choose every element that's going into it, it, it's really fascinating and, um, you know, gives me energy and excitement, like to, to get working every day on this, you know? The other part of that too is these are like fun houses of design, right? They are, they're fun houses. That, that's what they're supposed to be. Oh, they're a fantasy, they're a dream. Yeah. At the same time, and I guess this is, this is part of it. This is the element of, you know, I, I am also completely enamored by um, set decorators because I, I not just the, the fact that you have, you know, the Tony Duquettes of the world who started out as set decorators, mm-hmm. right? But the the set decorators now who work on, on, a, on shows on a regular basis, you know, there's a couple of elements to what they do. The, the first thing is, is in their industry, they're not, they don't say no. You can't, you cannot say no. You say, this won't work, but here's what we'll yeah. do. Right. The other part of of what they do is the art of reveal. So a set decorator will, before the set is opened, you know, for work, they kind of reveal it and introduce it back to the design house. So many things happen behind the scenes of a design house. There are so many problems. There are so (laughs) many, you know what I mean? There's so many. I don't know what you mean at all. I'm sorry. I forgot. I'm very confused by this, the, by the line of this question. <laughs> Hypothetically, uh, how, your thoughts on the process, because the design house process, that's the part, that's one of the things that, in, in all seriousness, that is one of the things that I really do love most. And I, and I find that, that most of the people who go through them who go through all of them because they love it for the sake of doing it. It's to learn more about that process. Like why were these designers create, uh, selected? Why was this art selected for this? Why in the world would they choose that color? You know, how did that wind up there? So I'm curious as you go through the process, knowing that things are going to happen, sort of the attitude going in and the, problem solving and the project management side of it and all the things that lead up to the finished product that makes it so wonderful. How do you approach that? And how does the team work together to make sure, and this year will most of it be done virtually because that's an option now that hasn't really been at our disposal before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So 
when you're talking about there's so many designers, there's so many decisions. And with each, within each of those decisions, there can be infinite amounts of problems, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's this exponential formula um, for us right now, you know, the design trade right now is really booming in so many ways and people are renovating. And um, so you're seeing a lot of our sponsors, a lot of the um, people who want to contribute product to the house, like they have sort of a supply chain issues right now. So as much as that is the tile that you love and you design the room around, oh, wait, we don't have enough of that one right now. You know, and, and it kills the tile manufacturer too that they don't have it. But um, so there are a lot of things like that happening, which makes it interesting and very much a part of this time right now. But, you know, what a great problem for, you know, companies to have that everyone has a need to renovate at this very moment right now. Um, so that is one thing that we're working with. There's a lot of project management, a lot of talking to the designers, a lot of, you know, facilitating ideas between the designer and the contractor who's working on the house. Also talking about the flow between rooms, where does your room end and mine begin? Um, there's a lot happening right now. There's a lot. And that's, and that's the stage that we're in, that it's opening in August. And we're in the stage of really getting deep into the design, you know, for the designers, they've almost all visited the house um, in person once, but, you know, a, you know, a great designer, you like give them the CAD drawings and it's, it's a full reality in their heads. It's not like, I'm not sure what this is going to look like. It's, it's a 3d, vision that they have and they totally get it. And that's fascinating to watch too, um, that they know what everything's going to look like and how it's going to turn out. Isn't that amazing? It's so amazing. And I'm, and I'm sure it's, you know, so frustrating for them when they're trying to explain to a client, like, cause they're inside the room, they can see it. They can see it fully formed. Um, not as just swatches somewhere. Well, it's interesting. Uh, too, it's interesting too. Don't you think that in many cases, that's kind of how the artist views it and renders it in their own head. Like they will, they will see a canvas and they will see what they want to be on that canvas. They'll visualize it. And then they'll actually have the skill and talent to go make that a reality. You know, I, I can't even fathom the artistry and creativity that then talent that goes into being able to do that. But I agree with you wholeheartedly that's what some of the best designers are capable of doing. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really amazing. So helping them realize those visions and then knowing that it's all going to live in this one house is um, so rewarding um, as well as being immensely challenging because, you know, their design, the designers we have are such great talents. I want to make them happy too, you know, you know, um, I want them to stay excited about this project and have have the freedom and the creative ability to um, make rooms that inspire people the moment they walk in. Everyone, you know, wants to steal the show with their room. Um, so, I love that too. I love that there's there's always there has to be at least a little competition. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay, so when this episode airs. Um, we will be, if not right on it, we'll be very close to the opening of the design house. So okay. 
when when will it open? How long will it will it be open? And then um, how many pages are you dedicating to this? Which issue will it be? And I have so many questions. Whew. Okay. Let me see if I can remember them all and answer them in order. The show house will open on August 6th with a VIP event and then open to the public on August 7th and then run through September 6th, which is Labor Day. So great time to be out in the Hamptons. Great time to um, check out the house. So that's a nice long month. And, you know, in August when it's in the thick of things out there. And also for us, you know, we're very optimistic about, you know, people being able to visit this house in a way that feels safe and um, in line with where we'll be with um, fighting this disease. So that's one thing. Um, The next question was, what was the next one? How How long? how long? So a month. Okay. It'll be open um, for people to tour, visit. We're going to plan lots of activations around it and really make it an exciting place to visit and have talks and have, you know, cocktail parties. And it's, it's on a beautiful site. It's on about um, six acres of land in Sag Harbor and backs up to a nature preserve and there's a pond. So really idyllic, you know, situation there. We're um, doing some outdoor sculptures. So our own little storm King we're trying to create create out there as well. You know, so lots of outdoor spaces to experience as well with like indoor outdoor living um so we're very excited about that and then we'll shoot the whole house and then it will appear in the winter issue of gallery and um i don't have the exact page count yet but all i know is like whatever the page count i have for it isn't going to be enough i already know that it's already not going to be enough um but in addition to the print um element we're going to do a lot online as well and we really want people to be able to go online experience the house if they can't make it out to Sag Harbor and then also if you are there be able to zap a QR code and then learn everything about the room and all the details from the artwork to the the fabric on the cushions because sometimes that's hard. There's like a list of all the things in the room. And there's so many, you don't even know where to begin. So we're working on ways um, with their digital team to really break that down. So you can learn from the room about what inspired it, what, you know, taking sort of the museum model of having those audio docents, or now that you can look on your phone and there's an app. So sort of take you through the room and bring that added level of experience. And then will you will you have a shop to show house? Is that what the QRC is designed to do? Yeah, so there'll be some shop to show house too. And some of the artworks will be available for, for purchase as well. And by the way, I, I really do, I, I love the idea of shopping a show house because it takes it from being just sort of an exhibit and a display to making, to, to having real applications you know, real world applications. And I love that. Yeah. I mean, gallery is all about, you know, we're live artfully is what it is. And it's not about dreaming artfully. We really want people to be able to live this way and make it a reality. So the house, the house is the same. So here's the, 
the follow-up to that is as it relates to the magazine. Mm-hmm. You know, having having been in in print as well for for years, you know, you're you're sort of bound by the number of issues that you can release, where you place them, and the territories that you can reach. Now, digital has been fantastic for reaching new areas that you couldn't get before. Does, as, as you look at new business opportunities, as you look at the, the, the magazine as a brand in its evolution, as it grows, do you look at new territories where you would really like to be and have a presence that you may not have had a presence in the past before? Yeah, I think, um, yeah. And is it feasible? I think it's feasible. It's, it's hard to be everywhere, you know, but I think there are a lot of very, you know, some of the places that you were mentioning before really creative places around this country that sometimes um, get a little overlooked, but there's so much bubbling up and so much happening there. I mean, personally, I'm from New Orleans, so it's not the biggest city in the country, but there's a lot of creativity happening there. And there are a lot of amazing, gorgeous, gorgeous homes and a lot of design and a lot of style and a lot of artists who live there and just like, you know, world caliber collector. So you have all of this and, um, and, I, and I love to scratch the surface on cities like that, both editorially and tapping into you know, the readers that are there and want to pick up gallery, want to subscribe to it because, you know, there's, you know, there's a sense of discovery to um, being like, oh, I'm a gallery reader. Oh, you don't know gallery. Like, you know, we're, we're still a brand that's building. So um, I love having that cachet. When it, when it comes to subscription, because it's really interesting because of, you know, for, for decades, you know, and I learned this when I was with Playboy, the, the, the decline in subscription rates because of how people were living. And mm-hmm. I feel, I, I feel like one of the things, and, and it's funny too, cause I went through a phase and I'm sure you did too, where you were just like, I don't want to talk about coronavirus. I don't want to talk about the pandemic. I just, let's just talk about something else for a while. But I kind of feel like now we're at the point where as we begin to come out of this, we can start to see how patterns have changed, right? And it's not just media patterns, it's, it's design patterns, it's art patterns, it's, it's, where, it's where collectors go. It's where now where collectors are going, now where, where new clients for designers are, are popping up or moving to. I think with that, it will also, I don't see how it wouldn't increase the opportunity for higher subscription rates again. And I think there definitely is that. And it's kind of what I was talking about before having the iPad next to my bed. I'm staring at a screen all day long right now. You know, there's not the human interaction. There's not the face. There's like a lot of screen time and it gets draining. And then you realize like, oh my gosh, picking up a book feels really nice. Picking up a magazine. That's a treat. Um, so it, it becomes an indulgence and I love that. And who right now that's listening to this 
isn't thinking about sitting on a beach or a pool in Palm Springs with a magazine, beverage of choice, and just chilling for a little bit and enjoying the moment. Oh my gosh. Like what I wouldn't give to have like my greasy sunscreen fingers, like blur the words on a page right now. Like that's where I want to be or like a sweaty drink, leave like a big ring on the cover. Like, Oh, okay. Jack, you just totally nailed it. It's so, (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's so funny. You say that because for me too, and I know exactly where you're coming from. It's one of those moments where when you get there, you've got this pristine copy of the magazine. Mm-hmm. And when you get home, it's like fattened where all the pages are because they're all swollen and sunscreened and and like you were a little drippy coming out of the water and it wrinkled up a bit. Like that's fun. And it means that you spent time with that magazine. Yeah. And then you should probably buy two so you have the pristine <laughs> copy to keep for your collection at home. Exactly. But that's also, (laughs) that is also kind of one of these core elements to what makes, and again, I am, even though I'm in a digital space, I love magazines. They're, they're just, they're special. And, you know, having, that's one of the things that, you know, on a personal note, that's one of the things that I really did take advantage of um, in the past year is, you know, going outside, I'm in Southern California, going outside on the deck and just taking an old copy of Metropolitan Home, you know, or, nice. or, you know, one of those, one of those old books, you know, a, an AD from, you know, the, the late nineties, you know, just to go look at things that I haven't looked at in a while and to see something different that wasn't backlit. Right. Totally. totally. And I love, you know, I live in New York in the West Village, and I'm just down the street from Casa Magazines, which is, you know, super famous magazine shop. And during this, like, that would be like a special outing for me to go to Casa, pick up all the magazines, and then just like go through them. That's how I want to spend my weekend and flipping through them. And in terms of print versus digital, like, there's something really special about seeing a house and how the story of a house is told in print that I don't think you can really capture swiping through it in a digital format. Certainly not on your phone. Like these are enormous rooms. Like they can't live tiny. And, and like, there's something that still doesn't work like a video tour of a house still always feels like cribs or something. (laughs) No matter how great the house is, you're like, it, it, it it doesn't, um, it doesn't, it doesn't, romance it in the same way that a great juicy 10 12 page print story can okay just this another side note it is so funny that you made the cribs reference i (laughs) i I love that and i would venture to guess that you have never written the words let's check out the whips in your magazine (laughs) i'm just gonna Um, guess no but if it's a challenge i can try no no we have not we have not written that. Um, one of my cra- favorite cribs spoofs is there's one at the end of the um, 
Marie Antoinette movie at the end of the Sofia Coppola and um, Jason Schwartzman is walking around like he's like check out my career that's like that's my lady it's like the, the portrait of Marie Antoinette he's like I got fountains everywhere it's so funny that's awesome and at the end did he say all right it's time for y'all to go you gotta leave yeah <laughs> totally like get out because <laughs> that's how they all ended and I'm like, how did Versailles let him do this? But like, wow. <laughs> that is so great. That is so great. Jacqueline, this has been an absolute joy. I love your work. I love the book. Um, I think the magazine is fantastic. And I am, I'm incredibly excited to see the show house and to see what y'all are coming up with next. Uh, if interested and not familiar, check out the show notes to the podcast because you will, we'll put in a link uh, to the magazine and we'll show you how to subscribe. So there you go. Thank you for the time. Thank you. This has been a delight. It really has been. And, um, and I love your interest and appreciation for both print and gallery magazine. I love it. Thank you, Jacqueline for your time. Thank you, Walker Zanger and Thermosol for your partnership. And thank you for listening. Without you, I mean, I've said it before and I mean it, there is no joy for me in doing this. You are appreciated. My hope is to bring you inspiration and sublime design through these conversations to give you that extra push to be the most creative designer you can be. I hope we've done that here. Please make sure you are subscribing to the show so you don't miss a single episode. You can follow us on Instagram at Convo by Design with an X and ConvoByDesign.com. Be well. And remember, take today first. Mm-hmm.